0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where you watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey. How you doing? Okay. Yeah? Wow, that's actually like a a better answer than I was expecting, for real.
1: I mean, you know, you gotta just... You take all your bad feelings. Oh, man. No, this is not what the podcast is for. You put them in a box, and then you put that box box in the corner, and then you crush it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get to the movie and stuff? No. Okay, I have a couple. I have, like, the news portion of the podcast, which we'll get to. But also, do you have a name for the season yet? Have you thought of one? I'm just putting it out there. We haven't talked about it all season. I've been putting it off. I have not come up with one, but there is something there. You have to have something at this point, because like Catholic movies, witches, Universal monster movies. Come on, we gotta have something, man.
1: She turned me into a newt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't. Re- I, I this- that one screams witches, but not any of the other ones. Well, that screams Monty Python, Bob. Oh my god, it does! <laughs> I didn't think about that. God damn you and your Monty Python jokes. I was just asking, because normally we have something by now. Uh,
1: except for last season. Uh, Yeah. We, and this season. We'll figure it out in the last episode. The wrap-up. That's when we'll figure it out.
0: I guess, yeah. I don't know. There's got to be something there. If any in of the comments has suggestions, leave a comment with Witches. a good name for the title.
1: More like bitches. bitches.
0: Yeah. Dude, you can't make that joke anymore. We're already done with that category.
1: That could be the season title.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think we <laughs> can do that. You, you said I can't put curse words in the episode titles.
1: Which is more Actually, like... I
0: lied just now. You said that, but I've done it. Yeah. I put damn in one of them.
1: That's not a curse word.
0: Eh. Nope. Eh. Nope. It's not like fuck. It's not a curse word at all. Is it not? Nope. Would you not consider a curse word? Nope. My mom used to get really mad when I would say damn. It's only a curse
1: word if you're like
0: religious, but specifically mm. Christian. That makes sense.
1: And only some people. Okay. It's like saying hell. Also oh, not a yeah. curse word.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right.
1: But, like, if you're from a religious family and your parents don't want you saying that, you're like, oh, it's bad. <laughs> like, no, it's just it's just a word. Okay. I mean, so is fuck, but, like, at least fuck has some justification.
0: Okay. So, before we get to the movie part of the podcast, I do have a couple of news things. Uh, First thing, there's a new horror film called... What? Yeah. The, a new horror a new, film? A new one, Ben. There's so many. I only usually write down ones that I find interesting or find the concept cool. Anything else, I just kind of leave for the wind because it's not that important to me. You know what I mean? Because like if I if I wrote on every new release, I'd be here for fucking ever. But there's a new horror film coming out called Late Night with the Devil, and it recently it's not out yet, and they've only shown it at I think it was South by Southwest or something. It's like a oh the film festival yeah a film festival film. It received an R rating recently for violent content, some gore, and language, which, you know, it's a horror movie. What can you expect? But it releases in theaters on March 22nd and then heads to Shudder on April 19th. What's cool about this movie is the setting because it's something I've never really thought about before. And it's also a category we've already covered, which is, you know, why I brought it up. It's a demonic possession film set on a live broadcast for TV in the 70s. Super cool concept. I really enjoy that idea as, like, A device for horror in that way.
1: I want you to know I've seen that exact film before. Really? That concept, yeah.
0: I've never even thought about something like that. It's super cool to me. But yeah, so it'll come out in theaters on March 22nd and heads to show on April 19th. If you're interested in that concept, check it out. From what I can tell, it's actually pretty well-reviewed on South by Southwest. Oh, that's good. People liked it, so that says something. Next thing, I don't know if you've heard of this film. It's considered a horror movie, but it is... Well, I'll get to it. This film was called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. They're making a remake. This movie's from the 90s. Yeah, I've seen it. The, mo- R- the movie they're remaking is R-rated instead of PG-13, which is interesting. So
1: less scary for you.
0: Yes, less scary for me. For those that don't know, uh, every PG-13 movie you've seen on the podcast has been me shit my brains.
1: It's also just because that movie is pretty adult anyways because ratings were a little fucky back when PG-13 mm-hmm. was newer. And PG-13 from the 90s isn't always PG-13 today. Okay.
0: I just thought that was interesting because, A, cool movie concept. Never even heard of this film before. But, B, it's just interesting that they would up the rating for the remake. Fair enough. Last thing. then this is something we talked about, I don't know, two weeks ago or something. It was sometime earlier this, uh, this season. I remember us talking about it. They're remaking Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Oh, we didn't talk about this. Well, no, we talked about the 50-foot woman. Oh,
1: yeah, we did. We talked about her and, like, the Wasp and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: exactly. But we did not – they got announced recently because – be to be produced by Warner Brothers, which – whatever. But it's going to be directed by Tim Burton. So oh. Tim Burton, fresh off Beetlejuice 2 – That'll be fun. – is directing this film. And that is fun because he – what did he do? He already did – the other was the Mars one from the 50s.
1: Oh, uh –
0: Is it a, Attack from Mars? Attack from Mars. He already did that remake. Yeah. Which I heard that movie's not – Great.
1: No, but it's super stylized in like the best way possible. Exactly.
0: So that's kind of what I'm hoping for on this. I've never seen Attack of the Fifty Woman Fifty Woman at all. I don't I know what it it's is. It's just a
1: cheesy forties movie, so really the thing you want is you want someone who's able to do that. And to be honest, if Tim Burton did a more serious take in his usual style, I'd be okay with that too. But I think he'll be good with it.
0: Yeah. I just thought that was really sick because we talked about that film. It's a film that Yeah, because it's just a ludicrous title. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's insane, right? Especially in the 40s, pulling off something like that is cool. Like, that's like a marvel of cinema. And doing it now is like, we've seen kaiju films. They exist, you know? You're just making a big person. Yeah, but But, it's a lady. But it's a lady.
1: Do you know what I'm going to stop myself? No, no. Because I I can tell you about a tweet that I saw. You can tell me about that tweet. I'm just not going to finish my thought. Okay.
0: Uh, I saw people tweeting because, you know, Attack of the Fifty-Foot Woman is not necessarily a scary film for modern audiences. Because no. what are you to be afraid of? Someone, like, I think this article I read was some Bloody Disgusting, and someone quote, quote retweeted it and said, They really don't know what they're getting themselves into today. Lots of men want big women to step on them. <laughs> That's <laughs> which
1: i thought was so fucking funny that's basically what i was gonna say yeah I'm like i'm not sure how scary this is anymore people would pay for the experience that that yeah. movie's gonna provide exactly it's that- gonna be so over sexualized <laughs> oh it has to i can see it right now
0: whatever yeah, that's all my news that's all i got today i know a ton of stuff came out this week that i was super interested in
1: okay well uh we gotta watch a movie
0: yeah, we do. You
1: got the last Universal monster film, and then the last Catholic, yeah, spot.
0: And uh, I kind of teased it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna watch a Catholic film this week. I want to save that for the last spot of the season, because that category has been really good. But also, I liked Dracula quite a bit more than Frankenstein, so I'm excited to see what's in this last category spot for. You're gonna run some monster films. Ben has been teasing me, and we talked about this before the podcast. I'm gonna put this out there right now before you tell me anything. If it's not the mummy, I'm gonna be so surprised because Ben fucking loves the mummy. No. Ben is always <laughs> spouting on and on about the mummy. That's so if great. it's not that, I'm gonna be surprised.
1: My uh my bookmark mm-hmm. that I just use is a metal uh, Boris Karloff.
0: That's awesome.
1: From the mummy. Where'd you get that? <laughs> Convention.
0: Oh, okay. Cool.
1: It's like a holographic one.
0: Oh, that's dope. So yeah, Ben, what are we watching? The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. Uh, It's from 1932.
1: Description. <clears throat> the best undead man this season.
0: Ooh. I'm trying to think if there's a better one.
1: No. As of right now, no. No. Okay. It's just Dracula and Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And now The Mummy. The Mummy. Uh, one of those is the same actor. Yeah, because uh, Boris Karloff's the mummy. Mm-hmm. You didn't know. Uh, description. I did that. Length. It's an hour and thirteen minutes long. Got an approved rating. Hell yeah. Review scores. IMDb gave it a seven point zero out of ten. Tomato meter gave it an eighty nine percent and an audience score of seventy two percent. For awards, it has one win and three nominations. Uh, notable actors. We already mentioned Boris Karloff, but I think it's important to note he was credited as Karloff. Whoa, interesting. His stage name was Karloff the Uncanny, so that's kind of how people knew him, is by his last name. Okay. Obviously, he plays the mummy. There's a couple other names for the character, like his actual name and stuff, Mm -hmm. but the mummy is generally how you'll know him. Obviously, he was the monster in Frankenstein. Uh, Zita Johan as Helen Grosvenor. Uh, She played Nora Moran in The Sin of Nora Moran. David Manners as Frank Wemple. Uh, He played John Harker in Dracula. Oh, he's back. Arthur Byron as Sir Joseph Wemple. He played Spencer in The Whole Town's Talking. Edward Van Sloan as Dr. Muller. He was what we just see him as.
0: Oh, God. I don't remember. My Uh, brain hurts.
1: He's been in three different movies. I was about to say, he's been in a lot of movies. Uh, Last time we saw him, he was Van Helsing in Ah, Dracula. Okay. Before that, he was the doctor in uh, Frankenstein. God damn. So he's been in all our Universal stuff this season. Hell yeah. Bramwell Fletcher as Ralph Norton. He played Bunny in Raffles. Noble Johnson as the Nubian. Uh, he was a native chief in King Kong.
0: Oh. We haven't seen King Kong yet. No, we haven't. We should watch King Kong. It
1: almost went on last season.
0: Ooh, yeah. That would have been sick.
1: But then I was like, eh. We could have watched save that it. instead
0: of fucking, what was it, The Lost World? Garbage-ass movie. <laughs> Still mad about it.
1: It wouldn't have been instead of The Lost World, though. It would have been instead of one of our um, pre-code films.
0: Mm. Would you not consider King Kong? Never mind. They don't get an actual monkey to play King Kong.
1: Yeah, it's stop motion. Yeah. We talked about this last season, and I was like, I'll save it until stop motion.
0: Oh, stop motion would be a good category.
1: Catherine Byron as Frau Muller. She played the third daughter in Arthur Byron's and Company in a Family Affair. It was a short. Leonard Muddy as Professor Pearson. Uh, He was Baron Jeffries in Captain Blood. And then finally, James Crane as Pharaoh, which was interestingly enough misspelled as Pharaoh, P-H-A-R-O-H, instead of, you know, P-H-A-R-A-O-H.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: But yeah, he played Pharaoh Aminophis, and he also played Bob Merrick in Sinners. Uh, Directors Carl Freud also directed The Countess of Monte Cristo. Oh! Not the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, that's why I said, the oh, Countess because I was like, I don't know what that is. It's about a woman who lies that she's a countess. Uh, writer is, there's three. There's Nina Wilcox Putnam. She worked on The Fourth Horseman. Uh, she has a story by credit. Richard Schayer, uh, who also has a story by credit. He also wrote uh, Where East is East. And then the actual, like, screenplay credit goes to John L. Balderston, uh, who also wrote Gaslight, and we've heard of him before. I was about
0: to say, he's from something else, too.
1: Yes. Do you know what it was? Absolutely not. Dracula.
0: Ah, that would make sense.
1: Yeah. Again, lots of doubling up on cast here. Uh, budgets estimated at $196,000. Couldn't find a box office. So, unknown. Mm. Country of origins. Obviously, the United States. Tagline, it comes to life. That's pretty simple. Yeah. Facts. So, this film... Is inspired by a real life event. Can you guess what it is?
0: Yeah, it's when they went to Egypt and stole all their mummies.
1: Hey, they were just sitting there.
0: They were. We found them. Shut up. We found them. You cannot. You cannot defend. And then we just borrowed them for British forever. Museum stealing.
1: Also, I'm I'm just putting this out here. Everyone was taking them. No, I know the Brits. Everybody. The Egyptians. Everyone. Uh, actually, very common practice. is people would dig them up and just burn them. Really? They make great kindling.
0: God bless.
1: So there's a bunch That's of pictures crazy. of just Egyptian people just burning them. Because it's like, cause for a lot of Egyptians, it was just like, well, sometimes you don't you don't want to bury, like dig up the dead. But sometimes it was a very lucrative business hmm. if you lived in Egypt. So you could go tomb raid, mm-hmm. find all the jewels, sell them, and then you had a b- bunch of mummies. And it was like, what do we use these for? Burn them. Burn them. Uh, that or it's like, let's grind them up and sell them to the Europeans and they'll sniff them.
0: Whoa, what the fuck?
1: Ground-up mummy was a medicine. There, There's a huh? specific word for it, I believe, that isn't just ground-up mummy. But yeah, people ate it. Whoa! Like a lot. That's like, fucked up! Like
0: a lot. Like a lot of
1: people ate mummies. The big deal. Weird. Anyways, that's not specifically what this movie is based on. It's based on a more specific and more famous... King Tut. Yes. Yeah. The discovery of uh Tutankhamun's tomb... And the alleged curse that came along with it. Nice. Is kind of the inspiration for this film. And so what happened is they heard about that and they were like, Oh, that would make a cool, like, idea for a movie. <laughs> Let's find a book that we can base that on. Because oh. at this point, remember they'd done some universal, I mean, had done some successful monster films, you know, yeah. Frankenstein and Dracula, but both of those are based on books mm-hmm. and then plays, of course. And so that's what they were looking for, but they couldn't find anything. So, instead, they ended up stumbling upon a treatment for a film that ended up becoming the basis for this movie. Uh, the treatment was titled Cagliostro.
0: Why does that sound familiar?
1: He was a historical figure. Mm. I don't know about him too much historically, but the general legend is that he was like a magician. okay, Sorcerer, whatever. And the treatment was about him surviving for, like, 300 years and Damn. living in, like, L.A. and something. Like, hmm. sacrificing people. You know, Oh my God. usual stuff. And uh, that kind of became the basis for this film. Of course, that means that Cagliostro never got made, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks because it sounds pretty interesting. It does sound pretty cool. What I could read about it. Uh, but there is some actual, like, cover art. Made for Cagliostro. Oh, that's cool. Back when the treatment was made. It looks pretty interesting. So, yeah, of course, the treatment's written by those first two people I named, Putnam and Share, And then, of course, Balderson took that and made a screenplay out of it. And when he made the screenplay, he, of course, changed a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the the basis of Cagliostro became this film. Uh, With that being said, I think it is important to note that the plot of this movie... You know, The Mummy, 1932, Mm -hmm. vaguely resembles a short story called The Ring of Thoth by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, cool. So, well, there is no book basis for this movie. There is at least a piece that is somewhat similar in plot. Not all the way, though. Uh, Aside from that, one of the interesting things about this film is there are some, you know, miscredit stuff in the credits. Huh. Obviously, we talked about some misspelling, but I thought it was really interesting that there's someone who is credited in this film who isn't in the film. Uh, Henry Victor is credited in the film as Saxon Warrior, despite the fact that that performance was deleted. So apparently there was a some longer sequences that were cut from the film mm-hmm. for time reasons. Damn, It didn't look like it was for uh, censorship reasons, but for time reasons. And it looks like that footage has been lost. There's still some stills of it but that's about it. With that being said, I think that character, the Saxon warrior. I'm not entirely sure, but I cuz again, I haven't seen that that footage. It's mm-hmm. it's gone. But from what I was reading into it, it looks like that might be the basis for uh you know the warriors in the 1999 mummy. Yeah. I think that's the Oh! Where that comes from. Okay. I'm not entirely sure that might be based on another movie. But with that being said, I only have one more thing. Okay. And it's going to be a really long tirade. So do you have any questions
0: Um, for it? Yes. I The thing I said I was going to bring up, if we were going to watch The Mummy, I'll bring it up now before you go on this long tangent about whatever you're about to say to me. Okay. So, you know, at least at least I'm a Terrifier enjoyer on the podcast. Ben thinks it's fine. Terrifier 2, Lauren Lavera, you know, the actress who plays uh, Sienna, she posted on her Twitter...
1: She she's was very wearing, nice, by the way. Yeah, she's
0: super nice. We met her at the convention. One of the nicest people. Uh, she posted, like, I follow her on Twitter, and she posted, like, an outfit picture, and she was wearing, like, black Ugg boots. And someone quote retweeted it, it, said, you got that Boris Karloff drip, because she was <laughs> wearing fucking the same, like, big black boots he's wearing in Frankenstein. Yeah,
1: it's the, uh, the platform kind of yeah, thing. But yeah, but she
0: was wearing Uggs. She was like, unless he's wearing Uggs, I don't think so. But it was super duper funny. Inrelevant, because Boris Karloff. I just thought I'd bring that up. A funny tweet that I saw. Yeah,
1: you no, know, he wears the platforms in that movie. I think they make him look bigger. Yeah. It I mean, also he's supposed to be big. Makes him look uh kind of stilted when he walks. Mm-hmm. All right. So my, my long tie right here is gonna be about the franchise that is the mummy.
0: Oh god. Okay. Because
1: uh Oh The nineteen ninety
0: 1990 mum nineteen ninety nine mummy's good. Yeah.
1: There's okay. more to it than that. I know. So, uh the mummy, interestingly enough, unlike Basically, every other universal monster film has no official sequels. Whoa. Rather, it is reimagined in its next follow-up feature, The Mummy's Hand. So it's it's not a direct sequel. It's its own thing. And that film has its own sequels. So The Mummy's Hand came out in 1940. Okay. And it has, I believe, three or four sequels, depending on how you look at it. Whoa. Uh, there's The Mummy's Tomb from 1942, The Mummy's Ghost from 1944, and The Mummy's Curse also from 1944. And then there is a comedy horror crossover, oh. which these are very, very famous, if you've never heard about them, which is uh, very specifically Abbott and Costello meet The Mummy. I don't know who that is. They're comedians. Okay. The The closest comparison I could do is, that would be like saying... The Three Stooges meet the mummy. Oh, well, that sounds awesome. It's kind of a similar concept. These films, you know, this separate timeline, focus on a different mummy character. Huh. It's a character named Karis instead of, you know, the actual mummy, mm-hmm. which is, do you know the mummy's name? Oh, God. It's the same as the 1991,
0: nine one. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in years. Imhotep. Yeah, That's what it yeah. was.
1: So it's it's Karis instead of Imhotep. Although notably, it's Claris in the Abbott and Costello film. Hmm. So that's the original run of oh, movie films. Oh no, there's more. Okay. Oh, there's more. I said a long tirade. In the 1950s, the late 1950s, the British company Hammer Film Productions. Why have we heard of Hammer Films?
0: Oh, uh, well, God, what movie is that? House on Haunted Hill. Yes, very good. I, I, sorry, that season had three movies with about the same name and I had to figure out which one it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's the it's the Vincent Price one. Yeah, all well, uh, that movie's so good. Hammer films do a lot of really goofy, over-the-top stuff.
0: Gags, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the Tingler.
0: Oh, yeah. The I Skeleton. Mean,
1: the Skeleton, obviously. Oh. From Best Actor. Skeleton. Best Actor. In uh, House on Haunted Hill. But also, a lot of the classic Vincent Price stuff comes mm-hmm. from Hammer films. Uh, and they actually got... I don't want to say rebranded. I believe how what happened is they got bought out, but they became Dark Castle. Hmm, so like okay. all the Hammer films got basically bought by I think Dark Castle, which is the modern company. So like 13 Ghosts is a Hammer film mm-hmm. and Dark Castle. We haven't
0: seen 13 Ghosts, but I've heard it's good.
1: Remade it. Anyways, 1950s Hammer Film Production took up the mummy theme.
0: Oh, no, that sounds so cool, Ben.
1: Uh beginning with The Mummy in 1959. Oh, uh, of course. Why so there's another he? The Mummy. Yeah. That's a pattern, by the way. Which, rather than being a remake of the 1932 Karloff film, is based on Universal's The Mummy's Hand. Oh my god. Again, from 1940. And The Mummy's Tomb, which came out in 1942 as well. So those are the films that The Mummy from 1955 is based on.
0: Okay, so this is condensed two films. Sort of. Or just like combined them in a way, I guess.
1: I mean, it's just, they used those as basis. Mm-hmm. Hammer then followed up The Mummy from 1955 with the, I'm sorry, The Mummy from 1959, uh, with The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb in 1964. Didn't that already come out? And The Mummy's Shroud.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: No, that was The Mummy's Tomb. This is The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Oh, you're so Get right. it straight. I'm sorry. So yeah, The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb in 1964 and The Mummy's Shroud in 1966, and... Blood from the Mummy's Tomb in 1971.
0: What? Stop.
1: Now, what's so interesting about all these films is uh, they are unrelated to the first film or even to each other. are
0: all completely separate mummy films? Yep. shit's wild.
1: <laughs> apart from the appearance of the Scroll of Life in Curse of the Mummy's Tomb and Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. That's what the only the connection between all of these films. And then eventually we get to the golden era of The Mummy, when much later Universal Films made The Mummy in 1999, which is amazing. It's a pulp adventure kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's very different than anything that came before it, but it's a lot of fun. The Mummy from 1999 also implies that it is a remake of the 1932 film. I mean, obviously, the titular mummy is still Imhotep Mm -hmm. in both but it does have a different storyline than the 1932 film that oh. one we're going to be watching today. Cool. In fact, the 1999 Mummy is more similar to The Mummy's Hand, so the sequel from uh, hmm. 1940 rather than you know the original. The Mummy from 1999 then spawned two sequels oh, God. with The Mummy Returns in 2001 and The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in 2008. Eight. And to make this more confusing, The Mummy Returns, which uh, is notoriously known in most film circles for having some of the worst CGI of the early 2000s with um, Dwayne the Rock Scorpion, (laughs) uh, spawned a prequel spin off of that sequel, obviously. The Scorpion King. Yeah. Based on, you know, the Rock's character in that sequel film. And the Scorpion King movie, which came out in 2002, in turn spawned a prequel. The Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior, which came out in 2008.
0: God, those movies suck.
1: And three sequels. uh, The Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption in 2012. The Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power in 2015. And Scorpion King, Book of
0: Souls in 2018. I don't remember any of those after the first two.
1: I don't think I've seen any of the Scorpion King Oh, they're awful. They're not good. Like, I don't want to watch them. No, you uh, don't. They, it also spawned a short-lived animated series simply titled The Mummy. Oh, that's which cool. ran from 2001 to 2003, and that seems to be based on the actual movies and not mm. The Scorpion King. Go figure. Then we get to the last bit of our timeline, which is in 2012, uh, Universal announced a reboot of the film uh, more in line with the, you know, original horror films mm-hmm. rather than, you know, Scorpion King, and this reboot was, I believe it's directed by Alex Kurtzman. Uh, that's The Mummy from
0: 2017. Oh, I didn't know that came out.
1: What? I did didn't it? know
0: they like remade The Mummy in 2017. I didn't know that happened. Yeah!
1: It's the one with um, Tom Cruise.
0: Oh, you're so right. <laughs> I forgot that that <laughs> like, movie happened. What are happened.
1: you talking about? Bob's no, like, I com- blacked it out. No,
0: I did. I completely forgot that that Stay happened. Stay gone! We've talked about that movie on the podcast Oh, before. we talked
1: about that movie a lot. It was... Of course, the planned beginning of an interconnected monster film universe. Yeah, that didn't work because they're
0: bringing it back. Did you see?
1: We've talked about it.
0: They're bringing back the dark universe. But
1: the fact that the negative reviews on the Mummy from 2017 yeah. were so bad. No, it was bad, and that. it was considered such a box office flop that it scrapped like a multi-year plan for the mm-hmm. dark universe. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, that's kind of like
1: the movie timeline
0: thing I feel like the mummy the really Mummy's peaked got. at the first one and then kind of went downhill from there not gonna lie uh, no no man it's more like a peak than a very deep valley and then a peak again in 1999 and then a very deep valley
1: and if you'll notice there is four films entitled the mummy
0: yeah that's not confusing at all guys no not at all universal not i think that's worse than halloween Oh, it's far worse. There's only two called Halloween.
1: Especially since most people don't know that there's multiple The Mummy movies.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Uh, there's also, what, three or four different films that are something The Mummy's Tomb.
0: Blood of the <laughs> Mummy's Tomb. Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. <laughs> the Mummy's Tomb. The Mummy. Shut up. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Creativity's
1: not the thing here. Yeah. So when we have to finish up the Mummy franchise.
0: We have a lot of movies to get through. Just know
1: that we'll have to watch all the Scorpion games. No
0: books. way. There's no way I'm sitting (laughs) through all those movies. Because none of those are horror movies. They're They're all like dumb action-adventure films with The Rock. They're vaguely
1: related. (laughs) Shut up. So is The Mummy. The 1999 Mummy is not a horror movie.
0: But it's good, and I want to watch (laughs) it.
1: It it is. But the problem with watching it is we do have to watch The Mummy Returns, which is also pretty good. The Dragon Emperor, which is not good. Not good. And the Scorpion King films. (sighs)
0: I heard the first one's okay. It's not <laughs> okay, though. Not great. I wouldn't even call it okay. For real, I saw that movie when I was younger, and you know, when you're a kid, things are look a lot. Even as a kid, I went, "This is ass."
1: Bob's gonna love it as an adult.
0: Oh, maybe that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that would be so funny. Bob's gonna be like, "It's
1: just like Transformers."
0: <sighs> I'm shut up. I don't even like Transformers that much.
1: Bob's seen every Transformers film.
0: I have. You're right. <laughs> Actually, I lied to you. I haven't seen the new one. Monkey. (laughs) I haven't seen the new one purely out of spite because you keep dunking on me for watching Transformers.
1: (laughs) You're the biggest fan.
0: (sighs) Goddamn.
1: Alright, well that's all I got.
0: Okay. I guess we're going to watch this movie, huh? We'll We'll see you guys in a minute. Hi everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Mummy. Yeah. 1932. 32. 32. That's not. all Ben is. Ben's 32 years old. <laughs> 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 uh, nah.
1: I I hope not. Nah. I feel that old sometimes. but
0: I also feel that old sometimes, but I know we're not that old yet. Yeah, but I was a child still. Ch- you are a year older than me. Shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, but that's like a whole millennia. I'm going to choke you out. I'm gonna fucking strangle your ass on the podcast.
1: Uh I think that's a crime.
0: Okay. I don't care. You deserve it at this point. All the shit you've put me through.
1: I've done nothing of the sort.
0: Okay. Anyway. I'm a
1: joy that we're going with.
0: Uh sometimes.
1: Anyways. Uh yeah, how'd you like it?
0: I liked it. I thought it was really fun.
1: It's fun, yeah. It's a it's a good movie. I guess you know we'll do our usual stick here. Uh, Go watch it if you haven't seen it.
0: Yes. Please, for the love of God, this is – look, okay. So like every other Universal Monster film, I came in and I went, I know what I'm watching. I did not know what I was getting myself into with this film. So please go watch it because it's not what you expect at all.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I said this on the pre that like this movie – is not the same as the 1999 The Mummy. Yes. That one's based on The Mummy's hand rather than this one. Uh-huh. At least in plot stuff. So, you know, I think it's a good kind of almost blind watch. And apparently it's not easy to figure out because Bob was watching it. I was like, Bob, have you figured out what's happening? He was like, no.
0: Well, it took a minute. <laughs> uh, look, I'm a little stupid. I'll admit that. <laughs> said- I'm a little stupid and sometimes I don't catch things.
1: It was like, Bob, when you figure it out, you're going to be like, I'm stupid. And... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, with that being said, I'm going to give a brief description and then we'll we'll talk about it. I don't think we're going to need a spoiler section here. Nah, I think we're good. It's pretty simple. But uh the premise is fairly straightforward. Uh it starts with a cold open which basically deals with the mummy coming to life. Mhm. And I want to note right now cuz I I think it's a very interesting point to note that that sequence is the only time Boris Karloff is in like mummy makeup. Yeah. Is only in the cold open. It's worth it, though. He looks great.
0: Oh, he looks so cool.
1: But I, I did some research on it, and that mummy makeup took, like, I think it's like eight hours to get into, and then yeah. two hours to take off. So it, it wasn't sustainable, and it was also unpleasant. But uh, the cold open shows the mummy coming back to life, and then the rest of the film is basically a romance movie.
0: Which is not what I expected. With
1: Imhotep trying to essentially resurrect his his love, an ox a moon. Uh, it's it's sweet. I like it. Uh, with that being said, is there anything you want to talk about?
0: Do you know where you want to start? Do you have an idea?
1: <sighs> Nothing in particular. I mean, this film uses a lot of techniques and stuff we've seen in other films mm-hmm. from the Universal Monster category. Because, again, it's coming out from a very similar time period with a similar cast, similar, similar writers, yeah, similar I mean. directors. It's all a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, for that reason, a lot of it's old hat and I think the only stuff that stands out for being the same are the things that are just notable. For mm-hmm. instance, this movie doesn't really have sound.
0: No, yeah, that's something that I brought up during the movie. I think there are only...
1: I say sound, I mean music. Yeah,
0: there's only probably a handful of scenes with music.
1: Yeah, and it's it's very reminiscent of Dracula in that way. Yeah. I, I think it's really nice. I think they've done a better job with the technique than they did in Dracula. Because really? Dracula is almost too quiet, because there's a lot of sequences where... There isn't any sound in general, Mm -hmm. and then there's no music. And in this one, there really wasn't a time period where it was just silent. Mm -hmm. There was always something happening.
0: Yeah, but I feel like the silence in Dracula is...
1: It works in Dracula.
0: Necessary in a lot of ways. But it it
1: can also make that film a little bit boring, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But yeah, aside from that, again, it's a a lot of similar techniques from like film aspects and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if I really have anything to talk about there
0: see there's one thing that I noticed in this film that I did not notice in the other films the use of shadow in this film is really good yeah, especially for like showing stuff off screen that they wouldn't be allowed to show or showing things that are like I don't know just the way they use black like the black and white mix with the use of shadow is just really good That's it's very really stark and the contrast just makes a lot of scenes pop really hard and adds a sort of like it like adds depth to the scenes. That yeah. I, you don't really get in the other Universal Monster films that we've seen. Part That's of, like the huge thing for me.
1: Yeah, and I, I think part of that comes back to the fact that, you know, this is a Boris Karloff film, and yeah. he is such an imposing guy. Oh,
0: he's so cool, man.
1: And I, I think it's a very easy jump to look at him and go, okay, we're going to make him very menacing, mm-hmm. and to use Shadow to do that. Because a lot of the Shadow sequences are just Boris Karloff standing off screen. Yeah. And we're focusing on, like, this giant Shadow he's casting over stuff. And I mean, I think that's a good transition into the fact that, well, a lot of the techniques are stuff we've seen before. It it really does feel like a natural evolution of Dracula and Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. It's it's very nice that we've watched this one last because they use a lot of different stuff from those films. I mean, the shadow stuff feels like it's from Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think that might be hearkening back to the fact that it's the same actor in the the monster role. But they also use another technique in this film that is... From Dracula, they use the eye lightening. Yeah, because Imhotep, you know, the mummy, has like special powers. Yeah, and they need to emphasize it, and they use the same technique there. Which, by the way, they have this really great. It's not even a still shot. I don't think. I think it's just a, a little clip, and they just have Boris Koloff standing really still. But they zoom in on his face, and they light up mm-hmm. his eyes, and it's just so many. It's
0: really good. And they do a much better job at it, like I like it in Dracula, don't get me wrong. But in this they use it, but then they'll fade it in and out in a much better way, and, like use it as a transition point. Yeah. And I I really, really like it. I think it's super dope.
1: Yeah, I mean I I think overall the the point I wanna make here, and kind of my big point with like technique stuff, is that this film just feels a lot more polished than the other two. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's the newest. Yeah. And we're at the beginning of cinema still and Things progress really quickly, especially in the same studio, and you can see how they've done a better job with mm-hmm. it over time. But that being said, I, I don't really have anything else I want to talk about with technique. So I, I think maybe a better discussion with this film is kind of the things we think that work really well on it. Okay. So for me, I think the biggest point for this film and why it's, at least for me, one of my, my personal favorites as far as Universal Monster films go is the fact that the monster, you know, Imhotep, the mummy, is an actual character. Yeah. And he's not just an actual character in the sense that we get to see a lot of him. I mean, we see more of Boris Karloff as the mummy than Dracula. Oh, for sure. Probably even Frankenstein.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Emotep is like basically in the entire film.
1: Which is shocking once you come from those films because you don't expect it. Uh, but he also has a lot of lines.
0: He talks a lot, and he's characterized really well.
1: I mean, obviously, Frankenstein is its a character, but it's barely a character. Because yeah. Frankenstein doesn't talk, and he, he has dimensions, but they're not very complex. And while Dracula has a lot more <laughs> dimensions, because he can actually talk and everything, uh, we don't get to see or hear a lot of Dracula. But mm-hmm. this film is very much centered on Imhotep,
0: and I think that's great. It's super cool. It's super cool when you look at the other two, when you come from the other two films and go, I came in not expecting the mummy to like talk. I expected monster mummy movie, but he's very much a person and that's super dope.
1: Yeah. He's just a guy. And it's really the thing that wins this movie for me because Imhotep, at least for me is very, I guess sympathetic would be the proper word. Oh, yeah, for sure. He has actual characterization and I actually care about his story. Mm-hmm. In fact, I end up in the weird place I often do with, say, slasher movies, where I'm like, I don't care about anyone else. The mummy's, (laughs) like, the coolest character.
0: I mean, you're not wrong.
1: And I want to see his story come to its natural conclusion and not anyone else's. And I think that says a lot about, you know, the storytelling in this, Mm -hmm. and I I think it's very strong.
0: Well, they do this really, really, really cool thing that I – I was kind of half expecting it, but I didn't know how they were going to tie it in, where they give us, like, really good background stuff about Emotep when he was, like, not a mummy. You get a really awesome flashback sequence that lets you give, like, meaning and depth to a character, and it's super, super cool. It honestly might be one of my favorite parts of the whole movie.
1: Yeah, and that's obviously on top of some of the stuff we're able to gather from, like, the circumstances we find his mummy in and all this other stuff. And uh, I think that's a good transition into the flashback sequence, which I think is really cool. Oh, it's super dope. And is, first of all, a great emphasis on the use of practical effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're great, and I, we can come back to that in a second. But I bring it up here because the fade-in to the flashback sequence isn't just like, oh, transition. It's There's this pool in front of Imhotep, and it fills with fog, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we get to see a essentially green screen come over and ripple over to the pool. Yeah. And then it fades into the flashback sequence. But, again, I agree with Bob. I think the flashback sequence is really, really cool. Uh, It's super stylized. It looks like a really cheap, cheesy version of Ancient Egypt.
0: Yeah, but that's like peak 1930s, like...
1: Oh, yeah, it's super cool. It's awesome.
0: It's so fucking nice.
1: But I think what's so cool about that flashback sequence, besides the fact that we get to see a lot of... Immotep's backstory and that gives us a lot of characterization. I mean, it makes you feel bad for him.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, that shit sucked.
1: Especially, there's a a very intense sequence where he's being uh, mummified alive and he stares into the camera as his face is being wrapped and Mm -hmm. it is just... I don't want to use the word heartbreaking, but it's just horrible. It's pretty horrific. But I think the thing that's so cool about this sequence and I, I don't know if you noted it, but it's very reminiscent of like black and white silent films because i don't know if you noticed but this whole sequence is it, it's voiced over it's voiced over and there's music but there's no talking but there's no talking and it very much reminds me at least the way it's shot of a lot of classic uh silent films because mm-hmm. everyone's like over exaggerating motions and stuff yeah and even then it's with the voiceover if you were in a silent film, you know there's title cards, but sometimes you could maybe have someone who's like standing there describing the film for you. Yeah. Like a voiceover does. And obviously, silent films were never silent. There was always music. It was just live bands. It wasn't synchronized, but I thought that was really cool. It harkened back to an older form of media. At least as I read it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very interesting way to do a flashback. I thought it made it very effective.
0: That's really cool. I hadn't thought about it like that. Like I I hadn't thought about it in that way at least considering that for a lot of people, I mean, what is this, 1932, I don't know how long sound had been in cinema. It hadn't been that long.
1: Not that long, and also not all theaters had synchronized sound yet.
0: Exactly. So it sort of makes sense and is really cool. It's also one of the only scenes with music. Yep. It it stands out. It stands out, and that's part of the reason I like it so much, is it's musically scored, and the music in it is really good.
1: It also makes the whole scene feel more fantastical Yeah, than the it rest feels, of the film. It
0: gives it impact. and has like good thematics.
1: Especially because there's some lighting differences. It's a mm-hmm. lot brighter.
0: Yeah. And also, while we're here.
1: And cheaper looking again.
0: It has one of the most gruesome things I think we've seen in, in, in a Universal Monster movie yet. And it's super cool.
1: Someone gets speared all the way through. Yeah,
0: and you get to see the whole thing.
1: With that being said, uh, I think we should go back to special effects. I think they're great in this movie. Oh, they're
0: so cool, man.
1: I mean, first of all, The makeup for Boris Karloff as the mummy is insane. It's absolutely brilliant looking. And while he's not dressed up as the mummy anymore, Boris Karloff as a human, so Imhotep as a human, uh, his name's Artist Bay. Yeah. Still distinctly looks mummy esque. Yeah, Yeah. his face has a lot of wrinkles. And they're very interesting because they're kind of still in the same places Mm -hmm. as when he was fully mummified. Looks really, really great. Uh, They did a great job on makeup. But more than that, there's some cool animatronic stuff with statues moving. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that.
1: That's just wild.
0: Yeah, Uh, that shit is so cool because, like, when you contextualize it in the universe of the mummy, like, Egyptian mythology was completely correct. Like, it's real. Like, all of that actually exists
1: now they have a very um flawed version of egyptian mythology for sure but...
0: but it exists so what they do is when people like are praying to the egyptian gods and stuff there are statues of them that move and do things because they're real and that's so dope when you contextualize it like that
1: yep yeah. there's also we mentioned the pool with the fog oh, and everything man. because yeah. uh there is magic in this world mm-hmm. imhotep uses magic and there's a couple different sequences where we get to see that, and they all just look. Kind they all of look cool. so dope, so um, dope. One of the best sequences of it is we get to see someone's body transition really quickly.
0: Yeah, and it, it's dope. very
1: much a transition uh, similar to the end of Invisible Man, mm-hmm. and it looks so rad. It
0: looks so cool.
1: But yeah, overall, I think practical effects are really great. They really help this film.
0: Mm-hmm. Lots of good, like actual fire stuff with like torches. Yeah. And, like, stuff burning. Also, when the mummy, like, touches stuff, he'll leave, like, a dust trail behind him. <laughs> yeah. Which is so cool, and you don't expect it. It's
1: a little thing. And then I, I think we, we touched on this briefly, but I'll, I'll bring it back up again. Because it's not necessarily special effects, because they don't do it with special effects. Mm-hmm. But there is magic in this film, and I think it was a nice little addition. No, me too. It really makes this film stand out from other things. Because Dracula had magic, mm-hmm. but it was primarily off screen. Yeah, um, because, again, we didn't really get to see Dracula doing it. But in this film, because Imhotep is such a big character, we get to see the magic being performed. It's so cool.
0: It's awesome.
1: Just to watch, like, people be cursed and stuff. Yeah, is no, it's so dope. Wild.
0: And it, like, sort of—I <laughs> I think I made this joke during the movie. Imhotep was a priest, so he's got, like, holy magic? For, like, curses and stuff?
1: Bob called him a fifth-level cleric.
0: Well, no, he's not. a. He has to be higher than the fifth level. He has fifth-level spells. Come on. You, I don't
1: know, Bob. I'm not a nerd.
0: Uh, d d That's what I'm getting <laughs> at. But it's super cool because, like, I don't know. And the way that Dracula's magic is sort of tied to him being an undead creature of the night, his magic is sort of tied to him being a priest in his life, which is – I think much cooler.
1: Yeah, because it feels earned.
0: It feels earned less than Dracula just being like, I'm a vampire. Ah. Um,
1: But you know, more than that, Dracula uses magic, but it feels very loose. Yeah. And it makes the character, it's supposed to make Dracula feel powerful, yeah. right? But it doesn't really come across. But I, I think it does a much better job in this film. Like, because we get to see Amotep use magic and mm-hmm. we get to see some of the direct effects of it. It feels much stronger. Yeah, for sure. With that being said, I think the only thing I want to touch on as far as the rest of the movie goes is kind of some of the carry-throughs that I think people might be familiar with. I mean, obviously, the mummy's name is Imhotep. Mm-hmm. That's, if you've watched the 1999 mummy, there's some things that follow through. the uh, moon is in this. He's trying to resurrect his love. That's very, uh, again, 1999 mummy. But I, I will say, I think the plot is a lot closer to The Mummy Returns, if you're curious. I, I don't know when the last time anyone's watched that one. But the, the thing I want to liken here is that there's a ton of small things in this film that, if you've seen other versions of The Mummy, really come through. And I think the place where that's most evident is with how The Mummy comes back. Mm-hmm. It's with the Scroll of Thoth. Yeah. Which is a really, really cool... Um, MacGuffin in this film. It's basically a scroll that does whatever necromancy bullshit you need, but they find it in a little casket thing right next to Imhotep. Yeah. And um, it's right at the the opening, but Bob saw it, and he was like totally expecting the sequence from The Mummy from yes, 1999. Yes, I literally was like, ah, oh, I'm expecting uh, this. And I bring this up because I think that's just a really cool part of this film is because... This film is somewhat in pop culture, Mm -hmm. but not as much as, you know, Frankenstein or Dracula. You can see some things that are vaguely familiar. For sure. But aren't so identical that it's not surprising. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives this film this really, really unique ability to be both familiar and new. Oh, yeah. It really helps it, um, I think for a moderate audience, be very interesting
0: it was super cool to watch for the first time considering i didn't know what i was getting myself into because i came in sort of expecting like you know the action adventure aspects of the film to be a lot harder like the 1999 <laughs> thought it was gonna
1: be a pulp action movie. i was
0: expecting like a a tomb crawl with a mummy chasing people and no. being like a monster and no it's this really awful tragic love story <laughs> oh, yeah. about a man just wanting to bring his love back to life and
1: oh, it's so sad i'm like it's going poorly i kind of just want to watch the love story and nothing else but it's um, really good. Oh yeah, and uh, there's unique stuff and there's familiar stuff and it it really works. I mean, part of the issue is Imhotep walks so slow in this. <laughs> he, he, he acts like a mummy, but it, it's super cool.
0: It is. It is really, really, really cool.
1: But that being said, I I don't think I have much else to say. Um, is there anything you've got, or should we go to recommendations?
0: I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about on this episode. In like, comparatively to, like, Dracula or something like that. Oh, you know what? We can talk about this. You made this point during the movie, and you said it to me. You like Boris Karlov's mummy better than Dracula. Yeah. Like, character-wise.
1: Oh, yeah. But I, I think that's a hard comparison because I think Imhotep is just more of a character.
0: Sure. I think I agree with you. But solely because Dracula is, like, this suave sort of silver-tongued bastard man who's, like, manipulating people into doing what he wants and, like, is generally mischievous. But Imhotep is, like, a person who just is sad. Yeah. And <laughs> it's much more relatable than just being, like, some silver-tongued serpent.
1: He's shockingly not that evil. I mean... He's not evil. He's...
0: He is evil. Immoral. He does he some immoral does things. He does some bad things.
1: But they're very... I guess the best word would be reluctant. Yeah, like he He's has. He's doing
0: them because he has to, not because he yeah, wants to. He
1: has a goal, and it's very clear that's all he wants to accomplish, and nothing else matters. But he very distinctly is willing to compromise as long as he gets what he wants. Yeah,
0: I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's the coolest part about this movie is that we've we've escalated from monster that doesn't talk and sort of shambles around and does things to monster who has motivations and is a person, to just a person being a monster, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I, I just, I really, really like this movie a lot, and I think you're totally right when you said at the beginning of the episode that this really shows, like, the escalation and refinement of Universal Monster films. Like, I, I'm also really glad that we got this one last, because if we started with this one, honestly, Frankenstein and Dracula would have been a little disappointing. Yeah. Cause this one is really good.
1: Also, it's got that cool aesthetic of Egypt in the nineteen like twenties. Oh yeah, it's just cool. It's like it cool. just looks cool. I think I'm good. All right. Uh I guess we can do recommendations though. Do you want to go first?
0: Yeah. If you've never seen the mummy and you like the nineteen ninety nine mummy, watch this movie. It's cool. It like I said, it's very different from that film, but in like the best ways possible. Because it's got a similar vibe, but not really i don't know it's just very unique and it's not really what i expected and i think that's super dope Philip like boris karlov he does a fucking kick-ass job in this movie he's so good such a good performance from him uh if you like black and white films this is probably of the universe of monster films we watched the best one to deal with black and white and use it the best and most effectively that's pretty cool i don't know if i have any more all
1: right um Straight off the bat, if you're into Universal Monster films and you haven't seen this one, this is one of the really big classics. Uh so it's definitely worth a watch. If you're into the mummy, both as like the concept of oh, a reanimated mummy, or just you're into say one of the mummy movies. Doesn't have to be the nineteen ninety nine one, hell it could be one of the hammer ones. But if you're into the mummy and you haven't seen the original, this is definitely worth a watch. But I, I think the big recommendation here is if you just like Boris Karloff, I personally think this is one of his best roles. And, like, if you're into him, but also want to see, like, kind of a tragic romance, especially with a very interestingly, almost, um, I don't know, emotionless mane. Because he's not very emotive, but he's very emotional, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you're into, like, a love story of Boris Karloff, I think it's a very good combination of both of those things. Uh, with that being said, give it a rating, Bob.
0: I think we all know what number we am about to say. Five. This yeah. is my favorite one. And I gave the other two a five. Yep. And they deserved it. This one also fucking deserves it. Not because... Now I'm not even thinking about the cultural significance of this film right now. Okay? Like, I'm not even considering that there are a gabillion spinoffs, a remake in 1999 that's really good, and then a bunch of garbage after that. This movie is genuinely so good. Like, I, this one is the one where I go, I don't even care, like, that its culturally significant. It's just a fantastic film. And I, it's the only one that, like, actually surprised me when I watched it. I went, oh, I wasn't expecting this. This is really cool. I have no more. I, it's so good. Fantastic. Go watch it. Love it.
1: Okay. I'm going to give it a five as well. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's mostly because I just really like this movie. It's no, I mean, that's fair. I do too. My favorite universal monster film, I don't know, probably my second's what, The Invisible Man. I think that movie's just cool. Movie is cool. But I, I think it's very interesting to give this one a five because while I really, really like it, it's objectively not as impactful from a cultural standpoint as any no. of the other films. I mean, it has a lot of spin offs, but if you couldn't tell from my description, it was never really continued or readapted fully. Which is weird. Most of the adaptations that are modern are very different. I mean, Mm -hmm. even The Mummy, like me and Bob talk about The Mummy a lot on this podcast, but (laughs) uh, we both love the 1999 Brendan Fraser Mummy. It's really, really fun. It's really, really good. Um, But it's also very, very different from this film. Mm -hmm. And so even though that this, this film doesn't, I think, have the same staying power as like Frankenstein or Dracula, and maybe objectively, it's not as like, I don't know, classically Mm-hmm. Great in the same sense, I, I I think I prefer it, and I, I think it's a lot m- more fun.
0: No, and I think that comes from a place of like, it's it's when you go to a person and you go, hey, let's watch a movie about mummies. This is not what you expect, and to be surprised in by a film from 1932
1: is fucking crazy. Yeah, so either way, five. Yeah, man. Uh, on that note, though, I think we're gonna go to the outtakes.
0: We'll see what we got yeah then we'll be back we'll see you guys in a minute hello everybody welcome to the outtake section for this episode of beware the board i hope you're enjoying our review of the mummy so far i really like this movie i think it's by far my favorite universal monster movie we've seen on the show so far but without further ado let's get in to the outtakes this first clip is Ben trying to gaslight me about someone's identity. Also, why does the mummy have weird seduction? Pa- not seduction, mind control powers. W- who? The mummy! You mean Ardeth Bay? Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Obviously, different people. Obviously.
0: Obviously. This guy's not nearly as wrinkly as the mummy. Uh, actually, he's not. Actually. He's still wrinkly. He
1: might be just as wrinkly.
0: He's not as wrinkly. The mummy had, like, Thanos' chin. This guy, not as wrinkly. This next clip is our reaction to the mummy's magic murder powers. Yeah,
1: but I I guess the point I'm making is in defense. uh, These people did
0: steal all his shit and then desecrate
1: Ah. him and his friend's bodies.
0: Oh, he's giving him a heart attack! What the fuck? No, Ben, he's so evil!
1: Nah, maybe that's natural. He's an old man. This is not natural, Benjamin. He's an old man. He might be French.
0: Think about all that butter. He did speak French, but he's not French. Pretty sure he's English. Think about all that English food. All those beans and toast butter. In his defense, he did
1: ask nicely. He was like, return my shit to me.
0: Or die. Or die. And now they're facing the die part of the consequences. He even gave them time. That was so fucking cool. I think this is the first Universal Monster movie we've seen where the monster has, like, done something like that. And that was sick as fuck. This next clip is Ben ruining a good episode title. Love and crime and death, my three favorite things. (laughs) Honestly, kinda. Oh, they just look cool, though.
1: Yeah, they're pumping fog into the thing.
0: Is that the name of the episode Love and Crime and Death in Robots? You ruined it. That was that was a good joke. That was a good bit. Good. Oh, this is cool. I like this. Hi everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? Nope. <laughs> I think so.
1: So uh, you know, usual stick. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, other places on the internet. We're also on YouTube, which while not the best place to watch podcasts, you know, it's made for videos. Uh, it's nice for us because you can show us some support. It really lets us know, like interaction with the audience. We can see that through like subscriptions, likes on videos. Uh, more than that, though, YouTube has a couple cool tools for you guys to use. Uh, there's a search button which lets you search for, like, a movie title. So if you don't know if we've reviewed, like, I don't know, Rosin, you can search that in the search bar of all our videos, and it'll come up that, look, we did that, like, 30 episodes ago now.
0: Oh, God, has it been that long?
1: Yeah. <sighs> it's like 29 or something. It's been a while. Aside from that, though, the big thing with YouTube is it's one of the two main places to communicate with us at. Uh, you can do that in the comment section of a specific video or you can go over to Twitter, at Beware the Board, and call upon Bob. See if you can resurrect him from the depths of the internet.
0: Ah, okay. Didn't know where you were going with that one. Not bad. Like Ben said, check us out on Twitter, at Beware the Board. It's where we post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal. So you can watch the movie before we do, so whenever we listen to the episode and we talk about the movie and we're being vague about stuff, you don't get any spoilers. Then, on Fridays, ever miss an upload or when you know when something went up, there's always a link there. So check us out, Apple, the Board on Twitter. Last thing, we do show form content. I know I haven't put one up in a minute. I Actually, as of recording this, you just time, put, I just one, put up. one up. And I have another one in the works that I'm working on. But... We do show form content, we Apple n- Wear the Board, <laughs> on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts.
1: We normally don't post for a while because Bob doesn't make them. But yeah,
0: they're, they're hard to make.
1: This is the first time you could change your script.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, if you like short form content and like the show, check us out there. YouTube Shorts and Apple Wear the Board on TikTok. Benjamin, I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. For,
1: oh, second to last episode of the season.
0: Yeah.